Hello, everyone. This is Bob and Threadbear, and you're in my house now. Oh, no! <laughs> Fortunately, you were invited. That's not the first time I've heard that laugh. Yes, that's right. I have been invited to uh, play as the GM this time for a game of Lancer, which is a giant uh, future mech fighting robot RPG in that order. I've been excited to try this system. I've not had a chance to, so... Yeah, I'm... Yeah? I'm looking forward to it. I'm a fan of the person who does all the art. Well, not all of the art, but a lot of the art. A large portion of the art. Yeah. Same. But that's beside the point, because you can't see the art in a podcast. Go look at the art for Lancer, it's real good! In fact, you also can't see the battlefield, so this is sort of going to be a, a test run, just to see if this works out in an audio format. I hope it does. But one thing I will say is that while this is going to be a session zero, getting everything situated and all the characters created, I had the idea of having character creation happen in narration. Okay. All right. Which means that before we really get started, I've got an intro to read out. Our story begins on a planet far, far from Earth, but one that is yet inhabited by humans. The planet orbits a G-type main sequence star the locals call Pytho, and the globe they live on they call Delphi. According to their legends, their divine ancestors came to Delphi a thousand years ago, and used cosmic powers to reshape the planet and grant it the gift of life. They divided the land and lifted the waters to create two massive inland seas that cut the single large continent of the planet into the shape of a sideways S. This allows water to reach every corner of the land and render it fertile and verdant. And the ancestors saw that this was good, and they named the continent Treble. Today, Treble and all of Delphi are ruled by the Harmonic Hegemony, the head of which is an enlightened philosopher king called the Hymn Leader. The Hymn Leaders trace their lineage all the way back to the Divine Ancestors through an unbroken line of father to son to son, to uncle, to nephew, to son, to brother, to mother, to cousin, and so on. The current Hymn Leader is Arcturus IV, and, by sheer coincidence, he is also the greatest hymn leader Delphi has ever known. But sadly, not everyone understands and appreciates Arcturus's leadership. And so to maintain the peace at home on Treble, and abroad on the other islands and continents, the hegemony maintains a large army. The best soldiers of the army become mech pilots, lancers, and the best lancers become members of the Order of the Harmonic Choir, Battlefield Celebrities, who rub shoulders with the hymn leader himself. But our story is not about the Harmonic Choir. Instead, our camera zooms in on a flying transport called the HHS Hafniaza, which is currently somewhere over the ocean. The vessel is an ugly gunmetal gray design, a bulky mobile fortress built for practicality over aesthetics. 
and four massive jet turbines worked tirelessly to keep it aloft. We pass through the bulkheads of the ship and cross a staging bay full of row after row of identical mechs, until at last we pass through a window and into a small office full of school desks. An old-fashioned projector paints a wall in pale orange, and on top of that background are lime green letters that spell out the words, Lancer Program. Three of the desks are occupied by individuals in identical orange flight suits, and in front of them stands a man in a pale blue uniform, with curly black hair, olive skin, and a bushy mustache. Greetings, apes, and congratulations. First, for surviving your basic training, and second, for qualifying for the Lancer program. My name is Lieutenant Marcos Messios, and from this point on, I will be in charge of your training. But first, I think some introductions are in order. I want to know your name, who you were before joining the army, and why you volunteered to serve. I immediately spring to my feet. Just perfect military posture, back straight, bright eyes. Sir, Jean-Luc Armand of the Armand family. Jean-Luc is a pretty big guy. Six feet, four inches tall, dark skin, green eyes, long black hair in a series of thick dreadlocks that are tied off in a series of gold bands. He's got some pretty immaculate facial hair. It's the chin strap to beard, goatee, and mustache combo all in one. Big square shoulders, strapping, excellent, you know, peak physical condition. I am here to continue my family line of distinguished military service. Armand, you say? I believe a couple of your ancestors were once part of the Harmonic Choir. Yes, sir. And I intend to follow in their footsteps. So is there anything you got up to before you joined the service, or was it all just preparation? All preparation, sir. Making my way through the finest hegemony military schools. To get here. Well, you're not here just yet. You're getting prepared for here. I'm the one who's going to be preparing you. Have a seat, soldier. Let's let one of the others have a turn. Again, do the little, like, pop, straighten up, salute, sit down. Uh, sure. Uh, my character will stand up. Uh, he's a little on the tall side, like, perfectly combed back hair. Um, he's got a little bit of a stubble because he hasn't been able to shave recently. It looks like he's uncomfortable with, with that. Um, great jawline. Like, like I said, blonde haired, like crystal blue eyes. He's got a winning smile and he says, come on, come on. You all know who I am. I'm Connor Elias. I host a zero alert. You, you should definitely know who I am, right? Right? Of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, I'm here for a bit of a comeback. I, um, <clears throat> may have lost my job due to several breaches of contract, but here to prove that I've still got what it takes. Also here to make the, make the squad look good. And then uh, he just does the finger gun and goes. 
I don't suppose you're looking to become a member of the Harmonic Choir, are you? Uh, maybe. Because you're not going to get there with that attitude. Let me tell you that. Sit back down. <laughs> That's what you think. That's what you think. And then he uh, sits back down. Okay. My character kind of slowly and casually rises to their feet in a pretty relaxed salute. They are an older gentleman. You would guess the late 40s, maybe salt and pepper hair uh neatly combed and man maintained beard but short and scruffy hair also salt and, salt, yeah, salt and pepper as i said under their jumpsuit you can sort of see their clothing peeking out and it's kind of well worn but patched together with care and attention and uh they say alan blakeson was conscripted, ended up special forces. Now I'm here. You're one of the irregulars from the continents, aren't you? Mm, that's correct. Well, that explains how you ended up here. If you re-volunteered for service after your conscription duty ended, then of course you went through basic just to make sure that you got all of the uh, training that you were supposed to have. Did they put you behind the... Uh, Seat of a mech back in the colonies? Mm, no. It was just, uh. I was just a sniper. I was good at what I did, and when I got out of the service, I didn't have as many options as I thought I did. Oh, fair enough. As it is, you've stumbled into quite the option. If you're ending up a Lancer, not many people, uh, even those who have decorated service careers, can qualify for the service. Like I said, I was good at what I did. Fair enough. Well, we've got to see how good you are at what you're going to do. But before we discuss that, I also understand that each of you had discipline problems during your basic training. Now, I want to assure you that your record isn't going to be a problem here. As a matter of fact, we like our Lancers to be a bit more independent-minded than the grunts in the trenches. However, I will still need to know what issues you might have with the army or with the hegemony. I won't be sending you off to re-education or anything, but I do need to know how my Lancers will react when I issue them orders. Well, since Alan is still standing up, since he hasn't sat down, and my line of work, I was used to being self-sufficient and making my own decisions. So, occasionally the brass and I rubbed each other the wrong way. Once well, understandable for a sniper, but you're going to be acting as part of a squad now that you are in a mech, and you'd better get used to it. Have a seat, soldier. Sir. He sits down. How about you, Goody Two Shoes? Pop back up. Sir, I would not exactly call them discipline problems. I was simply eager to distinguish myself from the rest of my class, and that manifested itself as uh, taking extra initiatives. Rushing forward without orders. Sounds like. 
it produced excellent results. You can't see it, but Alan's making a little jerk-off motion. <laughs> oh my god. We are sharing the same brain space. Of course I can't see it. I'm sitting at the front of the class. <laughs> In that case, I'll tell you the same thing I told the old-timer. When you're part of a squad, the squad comes first, not your glory. Understood, sir. I will ensure that my actions do not reflect poorly on you or them. See to it. I stand until I am told to sit. Takes a second for uh, Marcos to notice, but eventually he just sort of scowls and waves his hand. Sit. Uh, at that point, Connor will stand up and just sort of like lean against his desk and he goes, Listen, if they didn't want me to improvise, they would have told me not to improvise. As it was, they didn't tell me not to improvise. According to your record, you were told not to improvise at least three times. Yeah, uh, I think the the radio was cutting out uh, a little bit there. Uh, I didn't quite get what they were saying. Two of them were in person. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? At this point, uh, Marcos just sort of slowly walks around the <laughs> desk he was standing behind and just gets right up in Connor's face. Connor's just sort, sort of like smugly smiling. Oh, please punch him. <laughs> Connor would 100% deserve it. No smile, but Alan is just like intently watching all of this. At least you got nerves, kid. Sit down. He sits down. Well, as you may or may not know, uh, your history outside of the Met can sometimes come in handy when you're handling business at base, uh, dealing with foreigners, trying to requisition goods or whatever else might happen outside of the battlefield. Now that's, uh, that is expressed by the fact that you start with four triggers at two points each. I should say that triggers are not exactly discrete ideas. They're basically general thoughts about how you approach certain kinds of obstacles. And as such, so long as you can justify the use of a trigger in a certain situation, you will get that bonus to your dice roll. And while you start out with four, depending on uh, how you spend your points as you rank up, you could get extra points to those triggers, or you could buy yourself additional triggers that make sense for how your character is evolving over time. But just so we know we're all starting out with, how about you tell me which four triggers you took? Okay, so I took number one, Assault which is take place in direct and overt combat. I also took charm because I have it in my head that Jean-Luc is very friendly and gregarious and 
gets people on his side, so he's good at convincing large audiences and using leverage to get his way. I also have get a hold of something, which is acquire temporary or permanent allies, assets, or connection through, in my case, wealth or social influence because of my family name. It gets me things. And then I also have stay cool. I didn't just get here on the back of my family name. I'm actually pretty good at what I'm doing specifically in not getting overheated. So I can perform a task that requires concentration, dexterity, speed, or precision under pressure quite well. All right. Uh, for for Connor, I have also taken charm. Um, and then I also took lead or inspire, uh, which is to give an inspiring speech or to motivate a group of people into action. I felt that made sense since he's like, used to entertaining a very large crowd. Uh, show off, which is do something flashy, cool, or impressive, usually, but not exclusively with your weapon. I, f I figured, like, since it says not exclusively, there's going to be some leeway in how I could, uh, how I could use that, like, in a social interaction. And also, uh, take control, which is use force, violence, presence of will, or direct action to take control of something, which, um... I feel like presence of will fit, would fit him the most there. Okay. For Alan, uh, I have also taken stay cool. Uh, I believe that's the only overlap. So I also have act unseen or unheard, which is pretty self-explanatory. That's get somewhere or do something without detection. Uh, I have spot, which is spot details, objects or people that are hidden or difficult to make out. And I have take someone out, which is kill or disable someone quickly and quietly. Assassin. Special ops. Makes sense. Unfortunately, you can only use that skill outside of mech combat. But it can still come up. Uh, in addition to that, you should also have some mech skills. Things that got you flagged for why you were added to the Lancer program. Now, mech skills have a much more direct impact on how you are able to pilot a mech, in particular in combat, but also outside. There are occasions when, you're, when you will demand that your mech do something it might not be easily capable of doing, and in those cases, you will roll using your mech skill points as the bonus. However, the main thing with skill points is that they have a direct impact on the mech that you pilot. For every point of hull you have, your frame will gain two hit points, and for every two points of hull, you will gain one extra repair cap. Now that's valuable, because you spend repairs to restore your hit points from whatever they started as up to full. But you can only do that so many times per mission, and repair cap means you can do it extra times. Agility gives you uh, one evasion for each point, and that is effectively your combat armor class. When people are trying to shoot you, they will have to hit the evasion of your mech. For every two points of agility, you will gain one speed. Now that's especially important because the faster you are, the faster you can get into range of your weapons or out of range of theirs. The third pilot skill is systems. 
For each point, you'll gain one E-Defense, which is your armor class against electronic warfare. And you also gain one point of Tech Attack, which is the bonus you roll in order to engage in electronic warfare. And that's especially important because while Grit will add to your weapon attack bonus, it will not add to your Tech Attack bonus. So if you intend to do anything harmful with electronics, you will need systems. For every two point of systems you have, you will gain one systems point on your mech. That allows you to outfit it with more equipment that is not weapons, but is still useful. Your final skill is engineering. For every one point of engineering, you gain one heat cap to your mech. Now that's important because if your mech overheats, there's a good chance you're going to melt down the core, and that's going to kill it just as fast as guns will. More heat cap means you get a longer load time before something bad happens. For every two points of engineering you get, you add one extra use of any limited systems or weapons that your mech happens to use. And in particular, this mainly applies to things like grenades and mines. Most weapons that uh, fire slowly and but seriously have reload tags that you will need to spend actions to uh, get them ready to fire again, but do not have limited uses. As such, while hull is good for tanks, agility is good for melee combatants, and systems is good for controllers and supporters, engineering is more of a case-by-case -case basis, depending on what kind of specialty you intend to go into. Each of you has started with two points spread throughout the four skills, however you see fit. So where did you put them? I just stumbled up on agility. I thought about taking one point in engineering, but I will probably take that down the line for plot reasons. Um, well, not plot reasons, but you know, I, lore reasons. I put one in hull and put one in engineering, but uh, considering the frame I want to go to, which one did you say was best for controllers systems systems yeah okay so i'm gonna uh change my uh my things a little bit since you helped me out a little bit there i'm gonna put one in systems and one in engineering i did just like ape i doubled up on agility i want to be able to get into you know assault rifle range and or big fuck you mech blade range as fast as possible Unsensible, but don't forget to add some hull points because you're going to make yourself an obvious target out there. Yeah, so I, my um, line of thought is that I will probably take engineering uh, down the line as Alan becomes more familiar with the mech, he immediately modifies the hell out of it. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to do that now because he's never piloted one and has no idea. Well, you could have experience working with other smaller machines like vehicles. Eh. Yeah, that's how I'm going to justify um, Connor having one in engineering. I'd rather have the two in agility right now anyway. That's fair. Regardless of all of that, one thing you new pilots don't have in any shape or form is grit. Grit is half of your license level rounded up, so as soon as you hit level one, you're going to get some. And grit 
is generally useful because it adds to your hit points, to the save target that other people will roll when you force them to save against your abilities, and it adds a straight up systems point for each point of grit, and of course, plus one to your attack rolls. I had some blue corn grits for breakfast the other day. Not the same thing, I'm afraid. Is it? Well, it's similar enough, because I eat shit like you for breakfast. You eat shit for breakfast? <laughs> no. <laughs> Something else you don't have right now is a core bonus. You'll get that every three license levels. As such, we don't have to worry about that now or even in the near future. So let's just skip over that. Likely you'll be dead. Instead, the last thing that you have to worry about right now are your talents. At the moment, you start out with three talents at one level each. And as you level up, you will gain one additional talent rank to spend however you see fit. But where exactly are you starting from? So, uh, a minor probably pretty predictable. I took a uh, crack shot. So as a protocol, I may study my aim. If I do, I become immobilized until the start of my next turn, but gain plus one accuracy on all attacks I make with rifles. Uh, second talent, I took Infiltrator. So I get Prowl. During your turn, you gain the following benefits. Entering the line of sight of hostile characters or moving from cover does not stop you from being hidden. You may pass, you may pass freely through, but not end your turn in enemy spaces. You can hide even in plain sight of enemies. These effects end immediately when your turn ends, so you lose hidden if you're still in the line of sight or out of cover at that time. And my final talent, uh, I took a uh, gunslinger, so I get opening argument. Gain plus one accuracy on the first attack roll you make with an auxiliary ranged weapon on your turn. I also took crack shot. I might change that at some point, uh, but for right now, I'm fine with uh, with also taking crack shot. I also took leader, which uh, gives me three leadership dice, which are d6s, and uh, gain the issue order free action. You can't use leadership dice from other characters as long as you have any remaining. You gain one leadership dice when you rest or regain all when you perform a full repair. And then um, leadership dice are consumed when expended. So basically uh, I am giving buffs to everybody. And then I also took Nuclear Cavalier, which the first attack I make on my turn while in the danger zone deals plus two heat on a hit. For reference, danger zone means that you have half of your maximum heat level currently. And then you are Kenny okay. Loggins. <laughs> also, while there are certain mech items and mech frames that add heat as you use them, the primary way for anyone to use heat is to take additional actions on their turn. By essentially overclocking your mech, you will add heat slowly at first, then quickly as you continue to do so during the fight. So the three talents that I took are number one, Vanguard. So I got the handshake etiquette move. I get plus one accuracy when using CQB weapons to attack targets within range three which is my auxiliary pistol, presently. I also took Skirmisher, which got me integrated chaff launchers. At the start of my turn, I gain soft cover. I lose it if I attack or force another character to make a save. For reasons, 
my superior officers have outfitted me with some inbuilt safety measures. I am just a little bit more difficult to kill. But then the big one that I took is Exemplar, which got me Honorable Challenge. The first time on your turn that you attack a hostile character within range 3, hit or miss, you may give them the Exemplar's Mark as a free action. Characters can only have one Exemplar's Mark at a time. New marks from any character replace existing marks. The character has Exemplar's Mark until the start of your next turn, and while they have it, you gain the Valiant Aid reaction, which triggers any time an ally attacks your mark and misses. I can allow my ally to re-roll the attack. They have to take the second result, though, even if it's worse. Luckily, there's no real critical failure mechanics in this system, so... Taking a worse roll when the first one missed really is not going to do anything harmful. That's good to know. However, there is a critical hit mechanic, which activates any time you roll a 20 or above. And that includes any bonuses you might apply to your die roll. Oh, so even if, like, so if your bonus is plus four and you have a, um, you roll a 17. You roll a 17. This. Yeah, that's still a that's still a crit, regardless of the fact that it wasn't a twenty on the dice. That's neat. That is the case. I took Exemplar's mark because I want the opportunity to go worthy opponent in <laughs> combat as often as possible. Battle will be legendary. Of course, in exchange for critical hits being easier to achieve than in other systems, the bonus you get from it is a little bit worse. You roll all of your damage dice twice, but then you take the better half of the results. That seems fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, with all of that out of the way, it sounds like you've got the basics of your pilots ready to go. As such, I think it's time to get out of this office and see you to your mechs get you familiarized with the systems and with the basic weaponry that we've got available to attach to them. And with that, Lieutenant Marcos uh, gestures for you all to get up and follow him out. And you did have a window that looked into the uh, the hangar bay. And so it's a, a quick walk around a couple of hallways to get you inside. But it does take a, a bit of a walk to get to the three mechs that have been assigned to you. Oh, we didn't go over our call signs. Or is that not a thing yet? How about this? The mechs are assigned via call sign, so as you pick out your mech, you will say what your call sign is. Okay. I am hot on the lieutenant's heels. I'm kind of like a little bit behind, probably walking alongside Alan. Uh, Alan is not hurting, but he's not you know, taking his time. He's kind of just keeping pace and really observing the surroundings. Less paying attention to you or the lieutenant and more attention to just everything going on. And keeping an eye out for uh, clear sight lines. Yes, exactly. Then, uh, well, start your engines. Hurry on up the ladder into 
the pilot's seat. The pilot's chamber. The pilot's socket. I don't know what the, the cockpit. proper... Cockpit. No. That's boring. <laughs> Never forget that Hideo Kojima created an entire game series just so we can make a cockpit joke. Well, I sit down inside, flick on all the switches, grip the controls, and roll my fingers along the handles in excitement. Alan's just kind of sitting there. No, I'm sitting there. It's just standing there, staring into the mech cock, you know, the mech cockpit. <laughs> uh, Connor will just slowly like get up and just sort of like hop in and uh, just lean back and look at stuff. He doesn't flick anything on quite yet. He's just kind of looking at it like, yeah, this sure is the Lancer, all right. And in all seriousness. As level zero pilots, you currently only have access to uh, general manufacturing systems equipment, which includes the Everest frame and a variety of all-purpose gear that you can use to begin any sort of customization or specialization you might be interested in. Yep, yep. so you're at the, the most generic mass production model. We want to cover our equipment and systems. Training montage. <laughs> is that what's hap- is that what's happening? I think Bobbin's asking us to describe the equipment loadout and uh, and systems that we chose, essentially. And they all start with the same core stats, so I might as well just list them off because they apply to all of you. You start out as size one, which is a basic small mech, still much larger than a human. Your armor is zero, which means you take zero damage off of any sources that might try to hit you. Your safe target is 10, average. Your sensors are 10. And sensors are important because that is the range at which your electronic warfare systems work. Because uh, you can see targets from however far away they are, and you can hit them with guns that reach that far. But sensors let you know, A, that uh, you can target them with your electronic systems, and B, they let you see around cover. Like, if there is a mech, if it is not hiding but it is concealed from you, sensors can spot it. However, hitting this mech is not exactly hard. It starts out with Evasion 8 and E-Defense 8, below average. Your hit points start out at 10, average, and your repair cap is 5, actually somewhat decent. Your speed is 4, a bit slow, but you can bump that up with uh, the right skills, and your heat cap is 6. A bit low, but uh, not something you need to worry about on a basic mech like this. You also start out with six systems points, which you can spend on non-weapon gear. And you also have a main mount, a flex mount, and a heavy mount. Now here's the way that mounts work. Is that uh, a main mount can take a main weapon or an auxiliary weapon. A flex mount can take a main weapon or two auxiliary weapons. And a heavy mount can take a heavy main or auxiliary weapon, 
or a super heavy weapon. But a super heavy weapon also requires you to sacrifice one of your other mounts just to stabilize the damn thing. <laughs> you also get two traits in a Everest and one core system. The two traits are always active. In this case, it is initiative. Once per scene, the Everest may take any quick action as a free action and replaceable parts. When you are resting between fights on a mission, whenever you would repair structure damage, you can uh, spend one repair cap for one structure damage, whereas normally you would have to spend two repairs for one structure damage. And then finally, there's the core system. And core systems require you to spend one core point, and normally you only ever have one core point. And that's true even for late game. There are ways of getting extra core points, but they are entirely narrative-based. In this case, by spending a core point, as a protocol, for the rest of the scene you gain one accuracy on all attacks, checks, and saves. And on top of that, once per turn, you can boost, that is the extra movement action, as a free action. Question, is there any other reason to not do this in a combat? Yes. Okay. Because there's more than one combat per mission and only one core point per mission. Okay, okay, okay. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So, with all the basics out of the way, how have you customized your uh, mechs? Well, my main weapon, I took an assault rifle. It's, uh, I guess, mid-range? What's range 10? Does that put you at mid-range? That's a fairly decent range. That's a, a fairly typical rifle range, but long for, like, the, the general spectrum of weapons. Okay. It does a d6 of kinetic damage. There are a couple different types. Kinetic, explosive, energy, heat, and burn. Heat and burn are special damage types. The other three are pretty much interchangeable, but different abilities can react to them differently. And then it also has the tag Reliable 2, which is when I use this weapon, no matter what, even if I miss, I deal 2 damage. The bullets have a kind of self-guiding system on them, so I am guaranteed to do a hit, even if I miss. It does not get through armor on its own, however. Right. For my flex mount, I took two auxiliary weapons. One CQB, close quarters ballistics, the thermal pistol. Its range is five line? What does line mean? It means it damages every hex along the line, not just the target. That's pretty cool. And it does a flat two damage energy. The other thing on my flex mount is the missile rack. It's a missile launcher. 10 range, plus one blast. That means that it will hit the target hex and every hex adjacent to it by one distance. Cool. So blast two would have a radius of two hexes. Its damage is 1d3 plus 1 explosive. It also has the tag loading, 
I have to reload it every time I fire it. Next can reload with stabilize and some systems, and we'll get into systems later. I don't know what stabilize is, though. It is one of the standard actions in combat. It also helps you clear out several negative conditions. Cool, cool. For my heavy mount, I took the heavy charged blade. Its range is one threat. Its threat is in reference to melee weapons. So any hex within one of your mech is threatened by your uh, heavy charged blade. And if someone dares to move away from you, you can use Overwatch to attack with that weapon. And then it does 1d6 plus 3 energy damage, and it has the armor piercing tag. I also technically have two more weapons, but they come from my systems. Should I go over those now? Might as well. Alright, well the system that I took that has a weapon on it is the Pattern B Hex Charge, which essentially gives me an explosive that can either be a frag grenade or a mine, and I can deploy those under different sets of rules for different ranges, different activation triggers, and different damage numbers. Don't want to get too too bogged down, so I'll go into those when we actually play. Best to think of them as like the uh, the grenades from Deus Ex. You can toss them, or you can click them onto a wall. Yeah. The second of my four mech systems is personalizations. You get two HP, and that's why I have 12 instead of 10. And in consultation with the GM, you may establish a minor modification you have made to your mech. I haven't thought of it yet. This mod has no numerical benefit beyond the additional HP it grants, but could provide other useful effects. If the GM agrees that this mod would help with either the pilot or mech skill check, you gain plus one accuracy for that check. What is accuracy? Accuracy is a d6 you can add to any d20 roll. Cool, 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 cool. I also took custom paint job. When you take structure damage, roll a d6. On a 6, you return to 1 HP and ignore the damage. The hit simply scratched your paint. It can only be used once before each full repair, and is not a valid target for system destruction. And then, finally, because I, I want to be pretty mobile, I took the Rapid Burst Jump Jet system. You can fly when you boost, however you must end the movement on the ground or another solid surface, or else immediately begin falling. I imagine falling in a big robot is bad. Probably. So who's up next? I'll go. Oh wait, hang on. Last thing. Call sign and mech name. Ah. So, my pilot's call sign is Gerahuth. It's the name of a Valkyrie from a particular poem. And the mech's name is Meteor's Light. Alright. Nate, continue. Okay. So, 
for uh, my primary mount, or my main mount, uh, I went with a shotgun. There's a range of five, uh, a threat of three, and does 1d6. And it's worth okay. mentioning that because it's got a threat as well, you can use that weapon for Overwatch instead of a melee weapon. Right. My reasoning being, if anyone's close enough to me that I'm not going to be able to shoot them with my rifle, I want maximum firepower. Um, I also took, for an auxiliary weapon, a pistol, which also has a range of five, uh, a threat of three, and does 1d3 kinetic damage. A uh, tactical knife has a threat of one, no range, and does 133 plus one kinetic damage. And my heavy mount is an anti-material rifle. It has a range of 20, uh, does 2d6 kinetic damage, and has the tags accurate, uh, attacks with this weapon and receive plus one accuracy. Armor piercing, damage dealt by this weapon ignores armor, loading, this weapon must be reloaded after each use, but mechs can reload with stabilize in some systems. And ordnance. This weapon can only be fired before the user moves or takes any actions on their turn, except accepting protocols. Blah, 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 a lot more stuff that doesn't really matter right now. I also have um, smoke grenades. So for a blast range of two, all characters and objects within a blast range of two area benefit from soft cover until the end of your next turn, at which point the smoke dis disperses. Uh, I have also frag grenades. Uh, I also took personalization. Uh, I do know what my personalization is. And that is, Alan has immediately jury-rigged, jury uh, wired into his cockpit, an electric kettle. <laughs> That's cute, and I love it. And custom paint job. Uh, Alan immediately went through and made sure that any possible reflective surface has been painted over. Matte black. Not necessarily matte black. Matte, matte black. But a drab. Matte brown. Matte green. Something drab that will be easier to blend into more environments. But made... This is super double sure that there's no surface that will reflect light. Oh, I guess I should also say what my custom paint job is if we're gonna detail it. It's my in stark contrast to Alan's mech, mine is an extremely obvious pile of metal because it is done up in my family colors, which are red, gold, and blue. And I have my family's crest painted on the shoulder, which is just a Valkyrie's head. Uh, the mech's name is, uh, this is extremely unimaginative on Alan's part, Long Shot. And Alan's call sign is Loxley. All right. And then, um, my, Connor. yep. Uh, my main mount is a mortar, which has a uh, range of 15 and a blast of one. It deals a uh, 1d6 plus one damage. And has the um, arcing tag, which can uh, 
you can lobby it in an arc so it goes over certain targets if you wanted to. And inaccurate, which uh, attacks with this weapon receive plus one difficulty. Uh, my flex mount is an assault rifle, which has a range of 10 and does a D6 of uh, kinetic damage. And it has the reliable two tag, so um, so it always deals at least two damage. And then... Uh, Same assault rifle as uh, yeah. Jean-Luc. Yep, and then uh, for my heavy mount, I chose a howitzer, which has a range of 20, has a blast 2, and deals 2d6 damage. It has the arcing and inaccurate tags, as well as uh, loading and ordinance. And um, for my systems, once again, we all have custom paint jobs. Why would you not give your giant robot a custom paint job? Is something would you not give your mech an ice cream paint job? Yeah, like why? This is something all of us asked, and we decided if there's a mechanical benefit to doing this, we're going to do it. Um, and so mine is um, also very much unlike um, Alan's. It's kind kind of stands out a little bit. It's painted in his um, old like hosting uh clothes color so it's like the back of it is like kind of blue and then like the chest has like orange with like a green symbol on it and then like uh the hands and feet are purple because he was known for like wearing like purple gloves and purple shoes uh as part it's like a standard part of his outfit i also chose the the rapid uh burst jump jet system i also chose manipulators which i just have a the, my mech has like a tiny little extra set of hands that allows me to like T-Rex. manipulate things, manipulate things that are like pilot size, so I could like use a data pad or something. Um, and to give thumbs up. And to give thumbs up, yes. And then uh, the last thing I chose was the Pattern A Jericho De- Jericho deployable cover, which allows me to um, deploy two sections of size one cover in free spaces adjacent to uh, to me and each other. Um, they basically give me, uh, cover and they have like their own amount of hit points. Uh, and it allows me to just basically hide behind cover wherever the fuck I want. It's worth mentioning in addition that difficulty dice subtract 1d6 from your d20 rolls and they cancel out one for one accuracy dice. Yes. So you will never roll a mixed pool of accuracy and difficulty dice. And if it's anything like the other game that I know has this sort of thing, when you roll those dice, you only take the highest result and add and subtract the highest result, correct? Yes. Okay. All right, call sign mech name. The mech name is Showcase, and of course, my, um, my call sign is going to be Game Show. All right. There. Now that you familiarize yourselves with your mechs and provided them with a basic loadout, it's time to go over the basics of combat and tactics. I feel like a walking target. Lesson one is that no matter what army you are part of, the most important asset you can ever have is the element of surprise. So, Surprise! 
He slams a button, and the floor beneath each of your mechs vanishes. Uh, oh god, okay. And you find yourselves descending towards a uh, bitter and an arid desert. Fortunately, some uh, retro jets uh, activate on each of your robot's arms, slowing your descent to something that's survivable. And as they cut off, you find yourself landing on the ground. Okay. Welcome to live combat, boys. There's no better teacher than this. Now, as you may have noticed, you will find yourselves in a uh, series of canyons at the south end of the enemy contacts. Be sure and thank the dropship pilot once you can. He did not have to drop you off in such an easily defensible location. I hear he likes lockers. Just to the north of the canyons is a series of craters. Many of them caused by previous conflicts in this area. We are currently on the island of Soprano. And the locals here are not taking too kindly to the fact that Treble needed their food more than they did. And that's why we're here. We're here to make sure that they understand that everything that's happened has happened for the sake of the greater good. And to do so, we are now requiring you to clear the battlefield. Hmm. All right. First off, in the large crater to the northeast, you will see a squad of unmounted soldiers. Now, don't worry too much about their size and number. They're easy enough to take out since they aren't in any armor. However, it's important to understand that the little guys can be hard to hit, considering they can take cover behind things that mechs can't. And they also don't take too much damage from direct weapons. Your best bet to clearing them out is area of effect. Lines, blasts, that sort of thing. Flanking the squad, you can see two bastion mechs. Now, I wouldn't worry too much about the bastion mechs, those models are over a hundred years old, and the stiff breeze could knock them over. However, as it is, they can provide cover to this squad, so you best take them out quickly and at first. Now, if you trace your if you trace your sensors further north, you'll see a ridge. Up on that ridge is another squad with another bastion mech protecting it. But most importantly, is a sniper mech hidden inside a crater on the ridge to the north. As far as I'm concerned, that sniper is your A number one target. Not only is it protected by another bastion mech, but its range is even longer than yours, Alan. And if it gets a bead on you, it can deal damage directly to your structure, bypassing your hit points entirely. And that's bad news. Fortunately, you being player characters, you've got four points of structure, while these folks only have the hit points that God gave them. So while this may be a bit of a tough fight for newbies such as yourselves, I have every confidence that you will successfully complete this mission. Now, of course, you're going to have to worry about turn order, but that's the simplest pie. You see, in this system, there is no rolling involved. PCs go first, followed by NPCs, and then another PC, and so on and so forth. And this will continue up until one side runs out of turns, and then the 
Other side will take their remaining turns, and that's the end of the round. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. As it is, you should have full control over your mech. And PC turns are decided by consensus. So figure out amongst yourselves who you want to go first. I am extremely down to act first. Yeah, go for it. And one additional thing is that protocols are free actions, but they must be taken at the start of your turn. And since this is the only combat that's going to happen before you get back to base and get your mechs back in for repairs, you should go ahead and activate that core protocol of yours. Sir. So, how is a turn of combat formatted? That's simple. You just go up to your compendium, hit the action economy button, and you will see everything you get to do per turn. First of all, you get to use one full action or two quick actions. Now, as a rule of thumb, you cannot use the same quick action twice in a round, but you can use certain full actions that allow you to do the same quick action twice. For instance, skirmishing with a single weapon is a quick action. However, a barrage is a full action that allows you to fire two weapons instead of one. You also get the ability to move on your turn. You can overcharge your mech and get an extra quick action if you so choose, but that will add heat to your mech. And you get one reaction of each type per turn and per round. However, you can only use one reaction per turn. So while you can brace your mech and overwatch if someone decides to move away from you and someone decides to attack you, you cannot do both of them on the same person's turn. Finally, you have free actions. You can do as many free actions as you want to, but if there's a protocol, then you must decide that before you do anything else. Okay, okay. How is... Oh, that's speed, isn't it? That's my movement range. Yes. One hex is one movement or one range. Okay. So I have five. So let's see here. One. I believe you two, took the three. jump jet system. Yes, that's correct. That means you don't have to worry about altitude changes. Whereas those mechs who can only use their legs must spend two movement to climb up the side of this ridge. Oh, cool. I made a very good choice then. All right. Well, that's the furthest I can move is I've moved five. That's put me due south of the crater closest to us where there are the, the two shitty ancient mechs and the pile of unarmored soldiers. Don't forget that you also get a free boost. Hmm. And a boost means that you get to move again. Ah. Just regular movement, second time. Take an extra movement of at least one space up to your speed. And that is a quick action. But I get a free boost, you say. Yep. Okay. So now... Okay, I'm definitely in range of everybody. I think I'm going to use my main action to use my assault rifle on, let's say, the closer of the two old mechs. 
Okay. The easternmost one. Alright, and don't forget that you get a base plus one accuracy also from your also from activating your core system. Alright. And then I'm just gonna hit the weapon one button. Okay, I roll a fifteen. That is to say, for the folks at home, I rolled a d20 and got a 10, and then on the d6, I got a 5. Alright. So, the Bastion Grunt has an evasion of 8, which is the target number you needed to hit. Okay. And I assume I'm trying to roll over that. Well, yes, of course. And as a matter of fact, you also rolled uh, the damage on your assault rifle at the same time. Yes, I did notice that. I rolled four kinetic damage. All right. Well, that's good because the Bastion Grunt has an armor of three. That subtracts three points from their damage, or from your damage. But being a grunt, that last point is all it took to destroy it. Grunts have one hit point. Ah. Ah. Very good, very good. Kaboom. All right. Now you can other you can either choose a different quick action or you can decide that this round you're going to barrage and choose a different weapon that you have and attack with that. I Ha. Huh. Am I in range of uh, that's like just barely outside. I, I would want to use my line weapon on the pack of people, and they are like just outside of the range. So, what did you call it that gets me just attack again? Is that barrage? Yeah, a barrage is two attacks in a round instead of one, but you ha cannot choose the same weapon twice. Mm, cannot choose the same weapon twice. Okay. Well, in that case, I think I will use the missile rack on the other bastion. Alright. Well, it does splash damage, so you can target both the bastion and the squad. You're right, I could. I'm at the hex that is, like, the bottom of the bastion that is most adjacent to the squad. Catch them yep. both in it, because it is only a blast of one. No worries, no worries. So long as you hit one hex, you've hit them all. Ooh, that was a seven. That was not a great roll. Oh, and I rolled crap on the damage, too. <laughs> yeah, seven misses. But it still could hit something, because it is a uh, blast radius. Okay. Do I roll it again? No, I can't find it very quickly, so in any event, you did roll one damage. So I will say that it just sort of plinks off of the uh, the Bastion's armor, which it interposes in between the squad and itself. Okay. Well, hit or miss, that does give me an opportunity to issue this Bastion an honorable challenge. So I am putting my exemplar's mark on it. Alright, so marked. So that's a full action, move, 
and the exemplars mark is going to eat my reaction, assuming that it triggers. So I think I'm done. It does not eat your reaction. It gives you a new reaction that you can spend when appropriate. Each thing that uses a reaction also gives you like one or two uses of that reaction. And they are separate from all other reactions you could use. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I think I'm done. All right. If that is the end of your turn, then on their turn, the squad is going to go. And as you've just leapt in and made yourself a target, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are going to target you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, they don't need to move or do anything in order to give, the, give themselves cover. So they are simply going to attack twice. Once with their primary weapon, and once with their anti-armor weapon. Oh, love that. Well, actually, no. You are still out of range of their primary weapon, but not the, you know, RPGs. <laughs> love that. <laughs> so they attack with a plus one bonus. Do you have any sort of hard or soft cover? Uh, I attacked, so no. My start of turn, hard cover, or soft cover dissolved. Okay. Then they need to hit your evasion. My evasion is 10, so that second one hits. Okay. Anti-armor weapons deal piercing damage. So if you had armor, it wouldn't apply. And it deals a flat 5 explosive. Okay. Does that come out of my HP? It does. 12 minus 5 is 7. Following them, a PC gets to move. Uh, I would like to go if Ape doesn't mind. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. So um, I think I've calculated this distance properly. Um, so I have a movement of 4, so I'm going to move a little... I'm going to move like 3 hexes, like 3 or 4 hexes worth up to the uh, north here, which puts That's me four. Just four? Well, always, yeah. The advantage of hexes is that you just count the hexes. Okay. All right. Um, which I believe puts me within ten hexes of uh, of the troops here. It does not. It doesn't. Oh. Hold on. Hold on a second, then. Uh, looks like it's two, one, two, three, three four, five, six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven, oh. twelve, thirteen. Damn. Okay, so that doesn't get actually get me within central range. However, you can activate your core system. Oh, yes, I can. And give yourself a free boost. Yes, I, I'm going to do that. So I uh, give myself a free boost. So one, two, three, four. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Not, yep, okay. So um, so I used my first action to move, and then I used my boost action. I used my free boost action. Movement is free. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. Um, so I used my boosting constant action. Yes. Uh, then I used my free boost. And so I'm within 10 hexes of these guys. So I'm going to perform a lock on because that's within my sensor range, which gives me plus one accuracy. And then I'm going to fire my mortar at them. And so that total between 
the inaccuracy, the boost, and the ac- and the lock-on, I get one accuracy, correct? Yep, core system gives you one, one accuracy, uh, system itself gives you one difficulty, lock-on gives you one accuracy, so it's a plus one total. Okay, so, yep, there we go. Uh, and then fire my mortar at them. Uh, 17 plus, um, six, six explosive damage. All right. That is your main weapon because you had to move first. Yep. So, uh, I think because lock, oh no, lock on isn't a, uh, isn't a quick action. It's some, it's a something else. It's a quick tech. It was a quick action. Okay. Oh, it is so, tech actions are the other thing you can do one or two of. Oh, okay. And unlike weapons, you can take the same tech action twice. Oh, okay. If you felt like it. In this case, probably not the best idea. No. But yes, you did six damage, explosive, in a radius. Mm-hmm. However, one of the bastions is still alive and provides cover and resistance to adjacent allies. Resistance acts just like it is in D&D, cuts the damage in half. So instead of taking six, this crowd only takes three. Okay. Still three is quite a bit, as you can see from the uh, hit bar. Yeah, I was not aware that this guy was still alive. Okay. Um, that guy's just out of range. So I think I'm done. I think I'm done, yeah. Oh, there is one other thing I forgot about, which is that squads always have soft cover because they're little hard-to-hit bastards who can hide behind pretty much anything. So that's why explosive damage is good because that basically ignores that? No, it, it means that you should have taken an, an additional difficulty die, giving you a straight roll. However, I'm oh. looking, the straight roll would have hit them anyway, so this, this okay. is just reference for the future. Okay. Hey, I, I had found my answer to the blast question, and I was reading it, so I missed what you said. Could you please repeat it? Soft cover adds one difficulty die to any attack roll. Hard cover adds two difficulty die to any attack roll. Okay. Okay. But that's their action. And by the way, I am going to leave it as you just targeting the squad and not the guy in the back, mostly because it makes sense. Yeah. You you are a rookie. Of course, you make a rookie mistake. And to answer the question for line, cone, burst, and blast, you have to make a separate attack roll for every... Or you have to make a separate two-hit roll for everybody caught in it, but you only make one damage roll. Okay, that's what I figured, but I wasn't quite sure of myself. Anyway, the surviving Bastion mech is going to step forward just a bit, maintain adjacency, and uh, seeing as you've got a damaged mech there, he's going to fire his grenade launcher at you. Oh, great. Target number is 10. Yep. That will deal four explosive damage. Puts me to three. Noted. All right, ape. Okay. 
if you want to climb up onto the uh, the ridge above the canyon where you are, that is going to take two movements. And don't forget to activate your core system because you've got no reason not to. So this uh, this ridge, but that is is that soft or hard cover? Just out of curiosity. Well, at the moment, it's essentially full cover. It is completely blocking line of sight from you to anyone else north of you. And naturally, that goes both ways. Okay. So my concern is that the lieutenant told me that this sniper has more range than I do, and 20 is a quite a long range. <laughs> I see Ape pointing the range tracker arrow directly at me. <laughs> I mean, that's who I'd shoot at. Um, real quick, I forgot about my um, about my field commander talent for uh, for leader. If I were to issue the order of um, shoot the um, the closest bastion to um, to Allen, since that looks like it's dealing, it's probably going. To dealing the, the most damage or has dealt the most damage to our friend here you would it actually already get, taken uh, its turn also oh okay it has okay never mind then never mind because i don't think i, I could to... either way well you could if you like stepped up and it's like you well I, I have to my long range weapon has to be fired before i move oh oh that's okay that's an issue then I should add that you can also go prone as a free action, and that will make you a harder target to hit. It also makes it harder to move, so first things first. So the sniper is our main target to begin with. It is the most dangerous target, at least according to Lieutenant Marcos. I really feel like the best uh, approach, even if we're going to have to be in the line of fire for a little bit, is to get to the crater here and work our way from there. And I at least have two meat shields in front of me. Gee, thanks. I know Connor's an asshole, but come on. All right, so core systems, and then because I'm moving up a hill, it's two to move up here? Yes. And then one to move along the top of the ridge. So I have Four more move points left. One, two, three, four. So I guess it's this hex is the farther. Yep. Okay, so. And I guess as a quick action, uh, I'll lock on to that remaining bastion. Alright. Let me check. Does, does locking on force you to roll anything? I don't think so. I think lock on just a it's just a free thing that you can do. Choose a character within sensors and line of sight. They gain the lock-on condition. Oh, and incidentally, you are allowed to lock on and let someone else spend that for an accuracy. Oh. Okay. Right, I could potentially get out in front, but I really don't want to do that. I think I want to be in this hex here. A little bit of cover. Hopefully out of line of sight of the sniper. We'll find out if the sniper has range on us, I guess, next turn. Yep. 
and that's the next person in the move in the thing is an NPC. So uh, I imagine we'll <laughs> one of us is going to get fucked. Can't wait to die instantly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can't do really any full actions this turn, so I think that's my two quick actions. No, it's not. The boost is a free action because of your core system. You can still fire. Um, nothing else I can fire has enough range. Well, if that's true, then yes, you are screwed. Eh. I'm a sniper. I'm getting into you have position. nothing in the 8 to 10 range? No. Maybe the... I might have should, taken, should have taken the assault rifle over the shotgun, but... We'll see how that works out. Yeah. Well, tutorial combat. Mistakes were made. I don't know the system very well. Yep, and that's what this is for. Anyway, so yes, all of the other NPCs take their turns now. The ones who are in range of you guys uh, have all taken their turns, so that's fine. Except for the sniper. <laughs> yep. You are 21 hexes away. And so the the sniper hits you with Sniper's Mark. It does take his full action to use. So he's not going to fire on you this round. However, what this means is that if he hits you with his anti-material rifle, then instead of doing normal damage, he will deal one structure damage. Delicious. Out of four. Yep, yep. Alright, top of the turn order. Whoever wants to go first can do so. Um, I have a plan to clear out the crater. Go for it. Is it grenades? I am going to move and boost to put myself basically on the lip of the crater. And then I am going to... Oh yes, something else that's worth noting uh, noting about Sniper's Mark. Mm-hmm. When Sniper's Mark is active, you can avoid the structure damage if you do one of two things. Number one, have any amount of cover. Number two, drop prone. Mm. Okay. And dropping prone it is, like I said, a free action, not a protocol. Do it at any point during your turn. I actually have, uh, I have an idea for how to get Jean-Luc out of this particular situation on my turn. Okay. Sounds like so, a little nice then. I am going to do a full action barrage. I am going to start with my thermal pistol, which is going to attack in a line and that's going to hit the group of dudes and the bastion. Now, because of my handshake etiquette, I get an extra accuracy on the dudes because they're within range three. They are. So I'm going to attack them first. Now, uh, that's 21 to hit. They do still have soft cover. Even if even at this range. And so that was only one accuracy die, but that is still well over their evasion. That's a 19 to hit then. Yeah. So that's two damage to them. 
Yes, and from this angle, the Bastion Mag does not have cover from you. Okay. But we are keeping that to electric damage. Sadly, because the Bastion is still active and you hit the squad first, they still have resistance. That's only one damage. Okay. Well, and now, because of line, I roll to hit the Bastion. I still only would deal two damage, so I don't think it matters if I hit them or not. No, it hits the armor, no matter what. Okay, so I won't even bother rolling it. And then I am going to use initiative. Once per scene, the Everest may take any quick action as a free action. And I am going to use my Pattern B Hex Charge as a grenade. So I am going to throw a Frag Grenade, which has range 5 and Blast 1. So I'm going to hit the both of them again. And so this will be on the dudes first. That's a 20. Oh, it no, is. Wait, I had, uh, I had an accuracy on there that there shouldn't have. That's a 17. Because they have cover. Okay. Well, they take four. No, they have to take, they have to do an agility save. On a success, they will take two. On a failure, they will take four. All right, so your mech should have a save target. Ten. Ten. That is the number they have to meet or beat with an agility roll. Now, as a squad, their agility bonus is two. And they roll a oh. one. <laughs> That's Natural one. That's a total three. one. Gross. Okay, so they take All right. four and explosive damage. And at the same time, I assume you're throwing this to catch the Bastion at the same as well? Correct. And the Bastion has an agility of minus three, but rolled a 15. Ooh. Also Which means two. they take, yeah, take half damage, but that plinks the armor. You needed a four to take it out. God damn it. However, you did say a barrage and an additional uh, once per scene action, so you've still got one last attack left. Yeah, that's going to be the assault rifle. And I was aiming at the... I clicked too fast. I, I clicked on the wrong thing. That was the assault rifle, and that was aiming at the bastion. So Naturally. That's... A 16, and I'm going to throw the d6 from my accuracy on there. Okay, so that's an 18. But I only rolled one damage anyways. I can't hit these guys. <laughs> no, you can hit, hit them. Hit him. It's just that they're not doing anything. <laughs> I hit him three times and dealt zero damage. Incredible. All right. Uh, so do you want to drop prone? Yes. I will say that unlike other systems, dropping prone is always a good thing in terms of uh, hit accuracy. I can't believe I rolled so shit on my damage so many times. That sucks. I'm sorry. I even have the reliability too, so I hit that guy for two, actually, instead of one, but that still doesn't do a damn yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Alright, NPC's turn. This time the sniper is going to go first. Hooray. Of course. All right, you are prone, so that gives you one difficulty on this roll. 
And because you are prone, you will deal damage and not structure. And let's see here. Let's check everything all together. Alright, he has a plus two attack bonus and plus two accuracy normally. So that uh, cancels out to one accuracy. But only an 11. Is that enough? My evasion is 10. <laughs> Ouch. Oopsie doodles. Alright, uh, his weapon does 10 kinetic damage. Okay. I have 3 HP, so how does this work? Okay. First of all, zero out your hit points. Done. Now, make a structure roll. This is your first structure, so roll 1d6. Wait, hold on. Don't you have paint job? Oh, yes. I haven't... The damage hasn't procced yet, I don't think. No, no, so. this, this is when it happens. So first roll a d6 to see if it scratches the paint. Okay. It scratches it the scratches paint. paint. <laughs> well, you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm so glad I remembered about this. See, I didn't forget. I just thought it procced later. Oh, okay. Nope, this is the, this is the time. This is the moment. And so instead of taking an additional seven damage to your second set of hit points, you return to one hit point and take no structure damage at all. Cool. <laughs> Neat. It is now a PC turn. I'm going to go. Okay, that's, yep. So first of all, Sean, you brash moron. And I have within five... <laughs> Hex, and uh, with the five hex of Jean, which I don't really need, but it's nice to have. Uh, I throw a smoke grenade at Jean. You are actually uh, six hexes away, but smoke grenade has a pretty big radius, so. Yeah, that's a big radius. So, yeah, that's going to cover him pretty well. So, yeah, you now have soft cover. Thank you. Does that count as attacking with a weapon? I... yes. Okay, so that's a one quick action. But I get a move action. I will move to this tile here. I will next use uh, my second quick action to boost. Now you get, you get a free boost. So use that one first. Okay. So that doesn't count as one of my quick actions? No, it doesn't, because you have the, the core thing lasts your entire the entire combat. Okay, excellent. So then, uh, I mean, you can boost as a quick action and move three times if you're in a real. No, I don't think I need. I don't need to do that, but it's nice to have the option, you know. So one, two, three. Good. Uh, this squad here, the big squad, is dead. Oh no, they're, they're down to half health, which means actually they only get one attack now instead of two. I will use another, I will use my second quick action. No, I have a full action. But you already threw the grenades. Oh yeah, I did use. So technically you're, you're using a full action to attack twice, using two different weapons. So I have one more attack, and then yes. I have a quick action. No. Unless I overcharge. Yes. Okay. So... I'm going to use my shotgun to attack this squad. 
Sure. Uh, I hope I have uh, entered all this shit right. You know what? I would like to say that I placed my exemplar's mark on the squad of dudes. So you can re-roll that. Well, no, you, you did explicitly place it on the, uh, the Bastion, who is still not down. It expires at the start of my turn. Ah. I have to re-up it every turn. All right. I'm sorry I forgot to tell you to take it off. So I can re... Are we rolling this as legal? Well, I will say that you do not have to. They do have soft cover, but you do also have your core bonus on. So those two cancel out. You didn't have any extra dice, and an eight was good enough. Oh. Unfortunately, they they have resistance against direct damage. And against all damage, because the Bastion still isn't dead. But they take the one. Now, if you want to do anything else on your turn, you can overcharge, gain one heat, and get another quick action. Yeah, I want to do that. All right, you'll have to choose a third weapon if you're going to fire again. I will use my pistol, and because of my gunslinger talent, and this is the first auxiliary weapon I've used this turn, I get a plus one accuracy bonus. All right. And I'm targeting the Bastion, and I'm going to spend the lock on. Oh yeah, the Bastion does not have cover from your angle, so that is going to be two accuracy. Goddamn. Woo-hoo-hoo! That's the crit. That it is. It does not look like it keeps that in mind. So uh, just uh, roll a one d three and see if you get better than a two. Okay. I did get better than a two. You did. Finally, this motherfucker dies. Sadly, this motherfucker has three armor. Damn. Oh. Bullshit. <laughs> You know, I, w- I wanted to celebrate the first critical. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to destroy it anyway. But hey, you crit it. I did crit. All right. Well, you've stepped out of the smoke cloud. Wait, it, it wait, hold on. It does have the reliable tag. Does that ignore armor? Oh, no, it doesn't. No, uh, armor piercing ignores armor. And that is the only thing. Well, I tried. You did. You did. And uh, my heat goes up. One into heat. Uh, Do I move this overcharge thing up? Yes. That is to to mark that the second time you overcharge, you have to roll a die and add heat. Anyway, the squad is going to use the uh, second NPC turn. And like I said, they are down to half health, so that means they only get to attack once. Jean-Luc's mech is looking pretty damaged, but is also covered in uh, smoke and currently prone. So you, having uh, jumped out of the concealing smoke, are the most obvious target. Also, you are immediately adjacent to them and they don't want to die. Hmm, fair enough. Can't fault them. All right. Do you have any sort of defensive bonuses? Just my evasion. All right. In that case, they just roll a basic d20 plus one and miss. That's not gonna do it. They're just unloading all of their weapons, but they fail to hit any uh, weak points on your mech. Last PC turn. Alright, um... Y'all these motherfuckers. So those, the the lock-on thing, that's that's like a separate thing from my full action and two quick actions, right? So I can do that twice? 
you said? Lock on is a quick action. A lock on is a quick action. Okay. But you can do it twice in a turn, unlike firing with the same weapon. Mm-mm, okay, okay, okay. And if you don't feel like firing this round, you can lock on to two targets and let your allies spend them. No, um, I'm just going to lock on to the bastion here and then uh, lob my mortar at it. And I guess because because of the uh, explosion range, it also would hit the, um, the rest of the dudes outside of mechs. The squad, yes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so... Colin, uh, what's I'm the gonna... damage dice on your mortar? Um, 1d6 plus 1. Okay, so you can actually hit this guy. Yes, that, yeah, that's that's why I was specifically going with the mortar. Alright, uh, you sure you don't want to do the howitzer? <laughs> I'm I'm trying to save the howitzer for the sniper, honestly. How much range does the howitzer have? 20. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to... I'll go for the mortar this turn. Um, and if I don't actually hit, I'll try something else. Uh, so I locked on to this guy. So that means I'm not rolling flat. So I get the bastion. one accuracy. Yeah, the Bastion. I get one accuracy. Yeah, Bastion's got some cover, but you've got your core bonus and now lock on. So that's a uh, that nets out to a plus one accuracy. Actually, no, because it nets up to zero because uh, because mortars oh, right. have the um, mortars are inaccurate in the first yeah. place. Yeah, so uh, it's it's just flat then. Um, flat. Uh, that's a sixteen. That's the gonna hit. Okay, that was against the bastion, and then uh, the squad. I guess I'm rolling at a difficulty one because of the same reasons, but also because I'm not locked onto them. Uh, no. The, the squad also has soft cover. Both of your targets have soft cover, so the, uh... Yeah, but I don't have lock-on, so that so that gets oh, right. one accuracy I have. Yeah, so this is... That's accurate. true. Yeah. Uh, only a six. That's a miss, but the Bastion is dead. D-E-D yes. dead. Hooray! I did it! Let's see, and then, uh... I'm going to... Move one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm gonna move eight into the uh, smoke screen, so that way the sniper can't uh, see me. And um, I'll issue an order to um, to Jean Luc to uh, fire at the squad. So if you follow that order then you get uh, an additional accuracy on top of that. I'm using my leadership, I'm using my leader talent and spending one of my leadership dice. Nice. So I have two of those left. And that's my turn. All right, in that case, everyone else goes. The squad and the bastions are going to stay put, the ones that still survive. The squad in the uh, crater has already taken their turn. And the sniper, is going to stabilize to reload his weapon. Okay. So he hits big, but he it takes him like three turns to hit big. Got it. Yes. In that case, it is now the PC's turn. Well, I've been ordered to take out the squad. I might as well do that. I want to jump down into the crater. All right. 
Does that cause anything weird to happen? You are currently prone, so you must spend your movement standing up. All of it. However, you do still have your free boost, thanks to your core system. Alright, alright. So you can stand up, and then as a free action, boost down into the uh, crater. Just uh, choose your spot, and keep in mind that you are allowed to uh, to overlap the squad spaces. Do they get any bonuses against me if I am within their space? No. Right. I'll just put myself dead in their midst, just fucking <laughs> boost jump. Land directly in the middle of them. Alright. And bear in mind that area damage now does full damage to them because the bastions are dead. But directed damage is they still have resistance against. Alright. Well I might as well start with a thermal pistol. I think I'm going to barrage this turn. So, I will roll to hit. It's a five. I rolled a three and a two. Yeah, that's a miss. Job. Gross. Oh, no, wait. There should have been an extra d6 on that. I forgot about my orders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's actually a ten to hit. No, because the, the accuracy dice don't overlap. It is a 3 plus 5. Oh, okay. So you rolled an 8. And the squad's evasion is 8, so you hit. Nice. Okay. Hey! I hit them for two. Hooray. I helped. You did it. There's one dude left. <laughs> surrender in the name of the hegemony. I assume he doesn't surrender. <laughs> well, it, it isn't his turn yet. Oh. So you won't be able to know until his turn what he does. Okay. Well, unfortunately, by dint of the mechanics of time, he doesn't move fast enough for my liking. So I'm <laughs> going to shoot him. Good job, cop. <laughs> does my leadership bonus still apply? No, once you spend a die, it's gone. That's right. That's right. Once you spend it, it's gone. So I think I'm going to zero. My core system is being canceled by the fact that I am not attacking with a line or blast or anything. It just means that they will take half damage. Oh, okay. Take half damage on that. All right, all right, all right. So I will just attack with my assault rifle. That is a 10 to hit. All right. for five, and I don't know how we're rounding, but I don't think it matters in this case. Yeah, not in this case. Yeah, so you shout, surrender in the name of the hegemony, and then fire an assault rifle with, like, cannon radius rounds at the one <laughs> dude left. <laughs> to one man. He is a mist now. There's not a body left anymore. Very Robocop. <laughs> Robocop gave them the chance. Oh, so you're saying I'm worse than Robocop. Hey, Robocop was Jesus. He's actually pretty good. This is true. Robocop was Jesus. And then I think I'm gonna drop prone. Does hard does soft cover stack? Prone stacks with soft cover. Hmm. But right now you're in plain view from the sniper. You'd need to get up to the lip that oh. is facing him. 
to get decent cover. Okie doke. And you could do that if you want to overcharge your mech. You know, I've got six heat. I, I feel okay spending one. Yeah, first one's nice and easy. Let's see, my movement is five. Where could I get to in five? Yeah, I couldn't get up to the wall exactly, so on. Get as close as I can to the crater All right. wall. I will say that because of the sort of physics of overlapping sight lines, you currently have soft cover, but you can, if you want to, also drop prone and give this yeah. guy two difficulty to hit you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you do so. And he's going to go. Super. He's going to try and hit you. Super. Oh, he's not doing his fuck you, targeting your structure move? No, that's still active. Oh! Oh. Okay. Alright, well, target number is 10. Yep, and you have cancelled out his basic accuracy bonuses. So he only gets his basic plus two bonus. Decent shot, he'll miss. Nope. Oh. Mm. That's a 21. Well, unfortunately, that uh, your, your your paint job isn't going to save you this time. No, that's that's spent. It only gets to succeed once. So here's what happens. First of all, you take one point of damage, go down to zero hit points, and roll a structure die. That is the 1d6, because it is your first structure. Three. All right. Now, if you will go to the compendium, and the reference section, you will see what happens when you roll a structure die. Structure damage. Two to four, structure trauma. Parts of your mech are torn off by the damage. Roll a d6. On a one to three, all the weapons on one mount are destroyed. On a four to six, a system is destroyed. You choose what's destroyed, but systems or weapons with the limited tag and no charges left are not valid. If there's nothing left of one result, it becomes the other. If there's absolutely nothing left to destroy, this result becomes direct HIT, in all caps, instead. Which is bad. Alright, so I roll another d6. I roll a 1. All weapons on one mount are destroyed. That's your main mount, your flex mount, or your heavy mount. Yep. I think I will take out my flex mount, so my thermal pistol and my missile rack are gone. Shot off. Alright, and now that you've taken one structure damage, restore your hit points to full, and then take the rest of the nine damage. <laughs> so restore it to three in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to tick up this structure damage thermometer? Yes. That is what it is there for. Now, it is another in it is another PC's turn. Okay, I have a question. So I fire into his cover. He has full cover. He has sniper. Hard cover, which means two difficulty dice. Okay. Um, you might want to target the Bastion, because if you don't kill the Bastion, he's just going to take uh, half damage. Alright. But my 
Um, rifle does have plus one accuracy, though, so that would cancel out, basically. That cancels out one of the two dice. Then you're also, you've got your core system active. That's another accuracy die. So that'll be a straight hit. And if you wait until I go, I can issue a, um, a leadership dice to you, and you can get a full one accuracy. Okay. And uh, it also gives him a chance to th- throw a mortar and hit both of them at once. Oh, no, I was going to throw a howitzer and get, get the them both. The Bastion needs to die first, right? Yes. The Bastion doesn't have... Does the Bastion have cover? The Bastion does not have cover. It kind of is cover. Okay. But yeah, you, you don't Let's have go. to take this turn. You can let yeah, I'll Colin let, take I'll, this I'll turn. Let, I'll let Colin go. Okay. So um, I'm going to... First of all overheat uh, by one so I can take my move, my boost, and an, uh, and a bonus boost. My second action is I'm going to shoot my howitzer, uh, which is a range 20 arcing uh, and an explosion 2. Uh, your howitzer is also ordnance, though. Yes. Which means you have to fire before moving. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, um, I was. You can throw the mortar though. That's no. That makes no difference. Okay. Um, how far? My 15 squares away from here is the question. With, uh, the mortar. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Just barely. Yes, I am. Okay, so I'll I'll shoot the mortar. Let's see. Um. I think it's a difficulty. I think it's difficulty one for the bastion and three for the uh, for the sniper. No, it's, it's flat. For, it's flat for the bastion and difficulty two for the sniper because of a core system stuff. Yeah, hyperspec fuel injector. Yep. All right. So uh, this first attack is against. But first, the I'd like to resolve something. You said that you wanted to um, overcharge to get there. Yeah, I, I already spent the one. Heat. I already applied that there. Oh, so that that was your first overcharge of this combat. Yes. All right. Proceed. So, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and fire my mortar first at the bastion. Uh, that's an 18, and I deal seven damage. Ouch. Yep. All right, and then uh, difficulty one for the sniper here. Two. Yeah, but that, but my core system uh, negates one. Your core system negates your inaccuracy. Oh right, so um, let me uh, let me roll a d6 see if I get lower than a four. I do, so that's um, that's a nine. That's only a nine. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to hit. Does the mortar have like lobbing that would negate his partial cover? It does have the arching tag or arcing tag. It does. I'm not sure that negates cover. Can you read it out loud, Colin? What arcing um, says? Uh, attacks made with this weapon don't require line of sight as long as it's possible to trace a path to the target. However, they are still affected by cover. Okay. It is very explicit, in fact. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Got it, got it. Um, and then my, um, my free action, uh, I'm going to tell Alan, fire at the sniper. And uh, you get a leadership dice. Rad. All right. So you do also have one other thing you can do, because firing the mortar is just one action. 
one quick action. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just. Hmm. You can take back the heat. I can take back the heat. I think I'll take back the heat because I don't think I am in range to do anything else. All right, that's my turn. All right, sniper is gone. Squad is one, two. Still out of range. In that case, they're actually going to oh, move. Uh, dropping prone's a free action as well, right? Yes. I would like to drop prone then as well. If you say so. Decided. Just in case this guy decides to shoot a target aside from the one that he's been shooting at this entire time. All right. Squad and Bastion speeds are both four. Oh, little dudes are quick. They're as fast as we are. Damn. They must have cars. <laughs> they are going to boost, which means they are just within 15, which might mean something when they get to take a turn again. Anyway, uh, last PC turn. Red. Smoke Cloud finally dissipates. Also red. All right, so how many bonuses do I have uh, against this guy now? I, I think you have one accuracy total. Well, I have one accuracy. My gun gives me one for free. And then you get one from me giving you the leadership, and he has two difficulty from being in uh, hardcover. So, yeah, you have a total of one accuracy. All right. I was already going to do that, you blithering moron. All right, so I shall click the button. That's a 22. Which means, even though you rolled snake eyes, roll again. You're probably going to take that damage. All right, we'll take the seven. And armor piercing. And armor piercing. Doesn't matter against the sniper. That was a lot of help on that guy. Huh. Huh, maybe the howitzer might be a bit overkill for him. Do it anyway. <laughs> I'm going and to do it anyway. So that was a quick action. I'm going to move. And I haven't used my move turn yet. So I'll move up to the cliff wall here. Yep. Okay. So that was your free movement. Your uh, core free movement, which means you still have half an action left. You can use uh, the uh, marking a target thing. Yeah, I'd like to use the quick tech to lock onto the Bastion. Okay, Bastion is within your sensor range, so that is a valid target. All right. And anyone can uh, spend that accuracy. Now, technically, uh, this is when the last NPC should have moved, shouldn't have made the squad and the Bastion move simultaneously. But whatever. <laughs> Adds up to the same. PC. Uh, does anybody want me to fire my howitzer directly up the sniper's asshole? Please do. Okay. Do it. Do All it. Right. So I'm trying to think of ways that I can uh, that I can add to this because I think I'm still working at a difficulty one here. I don't think there is. I all right, well, we're going to fire the howitzer and hope for the best. Oh, that's a six. That's a six. That's a six in the wrong direction. That's a six in the wrong direction. 
I rolled a six, six on, on my difficulty die. Difficulty, damn. You can still fire your mortar. That is a different weapon. That is a different weapon. I can, I can try and fire my mortar. All right, sixteen this time. All right, I rolled a natural twenty. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> yeah, sixteen will do it against the yeah, sniper. So, so uh, he takes three damage. Sniper blows up. Suppose accuracy doesn't really matter when you're lobbing grenades. Hey, uh, why don't you stop critiquing how I'm doing and start firing at that bastion, which is my way of giving you another leadership dice. I think that was an excellent shot, Mr. Elias. Thank you. You can't see it. I don't think there's video uh, There's video to go along with this, but uh, Elias did wink. Well, they saw the sniper's uh, position just get decimated by artillery <laughs> and explode. <laughs> so the squad is going to spend their turn. Oh, by the way, there's only two guys left, so that turn is gone. The squad is going to spend their turn retreating. <laughs> We're just dudes. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the, uh, the impression you get. The Bastion does remain behind to basically interdict and uh, like uh, draw aggro, so to speak. But unless you guys want to draw this out, the combat is over. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't feel like drawing this out anymore. We basically are just going to destroy this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Bastion dies. Squad gets away, but that's fine. Your orders were to clear the battlefield, not murder everyone. There is one other thing. Jean-Luc, as you bring your mech back to its feet, uh, those feet sink down into the uh, the soft sand at the base of this crater. Oh no, it's quicksand. And continue sinking. Or just regular sand. You're, you probably weigh several tons. And then you accelerate downwards and fall through a hole. What? What? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Locksley to base. Jean-Luc has fallen down a hole. Please advise. Oh, that's a damn shame, but... Well, something else you're going to have to get used to in combat is that sometimes people die. Even people that you would consider friends or allies. Roger. Returning to base. Continue northeast to uh, base coordinates. It's a 30 kilometer hike, but I'm sure you can do just fine. Lieutenant Marcos out. So, did I just fucking die? Well, as you're having that discussion with Marcos, Jean-Luc, you are in free fall, rather unexpectedly in what appears to be a completely blank void. You can initially see a large pile of sand descending with you, but quickly the bit of light coming from the hole you created is not sufficient to illuminate your surroundings, and your sensors are just sort of wigging out. Fortunately, you did have retro jets attached to this thing, so after you fall a sufficient distance, they just automatically kick in and slow your descent. 
And after a surprising amount of time, hard for you to say at the moment how long it was, you feel yourself land on solid ground. Does this mech have lights? <laughs> Does it have headlights? You know what? Let's let's make that an engineering roll. <laughs> hmm. Where's the fucking lights on this thing? All of these buttons okay. are unlabeled. What, what am I trying to hit? Uh, Is that my safe? No, that's that's the number you want other people to hit when you're trying to do bad things to them. Um, for a skill roll like this, I declare the uh, difficulty, and I say let's make it an eight. I declare a thumbnail war. Okay. Well, I roll a nine. All right. You find the light switch, the exterior light switch, and basically the where your mech's eyes are, just two bright headlights pop up and illuminate, well, this sort of circle of ground around you. You uh, point them upwards, and they don't seem to reach any sort of walls or ceiling from your location. You look up and you can see this little pinprick of light. That must be where you fell down. And uh, now that you know that you're alive and not about to die, you might want to radio your uh, your squad. That was, in fact, my first move. Did Were we, like, given a squad name or are we too green for that? Too green. At the moment, you are... Lieutenant Marcos's squad. Okay. So I'll turn on squad comms. Game show, Loxley, come in. Game show, Loxley. Oh, good. They're alive. Oh, hey, you didn't die. Congratulations. Does that actually get through? It does. In both directions. I will add that Marcos does not receive this having signed off. I have to contact Marcos then. Thank goodness I'm still able to reach you. I'm in some sort of cavern way below the surface. Huh. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, what do we, do we propose we do about it? Also, I'm still trying to contact Marcos. Maybe he's out of range. Uh, he didn't leave you any sort of forwarding channels to contact him with. Is there any authority figure I can contact? Not at the moment. Not until you hike 30 kilometers northeast. Hmm. I'll, like, do a quick systems check. Well, everything's as nominal as it's going to be with one of your mounts shot off. Looks like for the time being, my systems are stable, if damaged. Get back to base... Get some kind of hook down here to pull me out. Well, just a minute. If you're in a cave system, there may be an entrance on the surface. We'll do a quick check before we head back to base. And uh, how do I do a spot? How does that work? Well, um, tell me which of your non-mech skills sounds like it could help. I literally have one called spot. Okay. Roll spot. Uh, that's an 18. Uh, you accidentally oh, rolled accuracy. 
Uh, yeah, I did. So it's still a 16. That's a 14. Hmm. Math. This is why I have uh, <laughs> roll 20 do math for me. 12 plus 2. All right. Well, a quick look around shows that all of the, from all the craters around here, none of them are quite so deep as the one that uh, Girahoth uh, fell down. And aside from that, there, there might be entrances in the canyons to the south, but uh, as you start swinging around to investigate them, Jean-Luc, you notice lights starting to spring up at the distance, one after another, until enough of them turn on to illuminate the cavern you're in. And you realize that you are not in just any old cave system. You are in a vast underground city where massive pillars constructed of what appear to be futuristic materials rather than pure minerals are supporting a uh, tall ceiling far above a cityscape that stretches out in every direction. And you hear a voice as if from nowhere say, Ah, at last! I was hoping someone would eventually fall through one of the weak spots. Greetings, visitor. I am Dimu, and welcome to Jinxing. And that's how we'll end it. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. For tonight. Sure. <laughs> you fell into ancient China. Wow, when someone said they were going to dig the China, they, they fucking meant it, didn't they? Or, no, it could be any number of Asian countries, but maybe Korea? So I definitely played like an idiot and uh, got exactly the results I expected. <laughs> yeah, that's your character, right? Yeah. This is why I suggested that a uh, combination defender and striker would be a good fit. Maybe a point in hull. You can't be a glass cannon if you're not actually made out of glass. I don't know. Obsidian's fairly strong. Yep, but there are also regular cannons out there. Might be worth a shot. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I had fun, though. I had fun being stressed out about how much I was getting my shit kicked in. <laughs> it was getting kicked in a lot. It was, it was getting, getting kicked in a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it gets worse as you go along, by the way, because the second time you take stress damage, or structure, structure. damage, you roll 2d6 and take the lower result. Mm. And if both of them are one, your mech is dead. So are you. No, I think you can still escape if uh, if you roll snake eyes, even in that case. Yeah, I you can escape, but your mech is dead. Now, if you roll snake eyes when you take stress damage, which is the heat one, works basically the same way. Then your mech melts down and explodes. You've got one round to get your ass out of there but then it explodes. Yeah. I really want to play Mech Warrior right now. 
so does this system have any sort of end of session stuff? No. You will get your first license point, but will it involves a lot of stuff that we will get out of the way next time. Okay. After Dimu uh, explains the rest of the premise of this campaign to you. Understood. Alright. So this was a weird session zero slash one combo. I enjoyed it though. Bob. I very much did not expect to get dropped into a live fire situation in session zero. Uh, yes, same? <laughs> good job fucking up my expectations, Papa. <laughs> Otherwise it was gonna be a pretty short session zero, really. And yeah, that that was the idea. I I was inspired by Futurama, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> cool, just like in Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek wasn't inspired by Futurama. No, no. This... <laughs> okay. Yeah, this system has license levels and downtime stuff, but none of that necessarily happens at the end of a session. Alright. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Well, a lot of moving parts, but it was fun, and I'm looking forward to doing more of it. Same. Oh. I... Hope you guys have a better grasp on how all this works. I'm getting yeah. there. I'm getting there. Getting there. Yeah. Yeah. The the juggling accuracy and difficulty is a little challenging. Highly yeah. technical. Single hardest part of the system, I think. Most of the games we play are roll 2d6 and then a thing happens. <laughs> So this is a little bit of a step up. Yeah. I think this is the closest we will ever get to actually playing D&D. Okay. I think we're done here. So, Bob, and if you want to play us out. Sure. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you'll be there next time. Good night. Good night. Or good morning. I don't know what time it is where you are.